Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. This is the Tom Hartman Program. So you ever heard of the Republican Attorneys General Association? These are attorneys general in Republican states, about half the states. They have an association. That association has basically a political action arm, a lobbying arm. It's called the Law, the Rule of Law Defense Fund. And on Wednesday, the Republican Attorney General's Association apparently paid somebody to produce the following robocall. We're still trying to figure out who all it went to. I believe that you can hear this. I'm going to pull my microphone and play this for you. Check this out. At 1 o'clock p.m., we will march to the Capitol building and call on Congress to stop the steal. We are hoping patriots like you will join us to continue the fight to protect the integrity of our election. For more information, visit marchtosaveamerica.com. This call is paid for and authorized by the Rule of Law Defense Fund, 202-796-5838. That was the robocall that went out. I can't say yet or exactly to whom it went. The headline over on Raw Story, Republican attorneys general spent money organizing turnout for Trump's insurrection at the Capitol. This was published in the Atlantic Constitution Journal, by the way, reporting on the call. The Republican Attorneys General Association has now responded, saying, and I quote, the, uh, this is from their executive director, Adam Piper. He says, the Republican Attorneys General Association and Rule of Law Defense Fund had no involvement in the planning, sponsoring, or organization of Wednesday's event. Notice he hasn't said we did not encourage people to go. No Republican AG authorized the staff's decision to amplify a colleague speaking at the event. In other words, somebody from the Republican Attorneys General Association actually spoke at this event, this traitorous, treasonous event that led to the death of six people. And anyhow, back to his statement. Organizationally and individually, we strongly condemn and disavow the events which occurred. Yeah, right. There's a lawyer who has been outed. He lost his job as a lawyer. There's a guy who's a senior executive in a fairly large company. He has lost his job. It's amazing that a lot of the people who have been identified so far are not backwoods yahoos, which is how people running around with Confederate flags are typically characterized in the media. 
but literally lawyers and, and executives and politicians, a newly elected politician from West Virginia showed up to trash. I'm talking about the people who went inside and trashed the Capitol building, who committed multiple felonies. And by the way, one of the most interesting parts of all this is that after the rioting, if you want to call it that, you know, let's just go back to the, to the very beginning with after George Floyd died in Minneapolis. Remember Umbrella Man? The white guy who, for a while there, they thought he was a St. Paul police officer. I'm not sure that he's still been identified, but this guy came out with, uh, he was wearing an umbrella so he couldn't be surveilled. He couldn't, you know, they couldn't get his face from above, wearing masks and all this kind of stuff. And he started smashing windows. That was the first breaking of windows, kind of that hyena herd mentality among humans, you know, the predator mentality. Oh, that deer is down. There's blood. Boom, everybody goes. Well, well, that's what happened. That led to them looting and, and that sort of thing. So after that happened, Donald Trump signed an executive order because in his mind, it's all, you know, all looting is uh, looting equals black people, right? signed an executive order that anybody prosecuted for looting would have to serve the full 10-year sentence under the federal anti-looting statutes. Well, now we've got pictures of these guys looting the Capitol building, carrying out podiums, carrying out Speaker Pelosi's, uh, the sign from outside her door, documents from inside their buildings. One of my senators had a laptop stolen out of his office. I mean, you know, this is looting. So we have now had six deaths and looting. Now, that's way more than happened in Minneapolis when Donald Trump said, oh, get him, throw the book at him. I'm not hearing any throw the book at him out of Donald Trump or his administration. In fact, actually, there's a very bizarre report over on Raw Story about how Trump was back at the White House watching the Capitol being seized, and he thought this was the coolest thing ever, and he couldn't figure out why the people around him thought it was not a good thing. This is a man obviously completely ignorant of American history. Never had to pay attention in class, always had somebody he could hire to take his exams for him and everything else. Nancy in Woodland, California. Hey, Nancy, what's on your mind today? Yeah, in addition to impeaching or prosecuting Trump for sedition, and also in addition to arresting the people who carried out the attack on the Capitol, the Republicans in Congress, for instance, Cruz and Hawley and the rest of those, need to be expelled right now and prosecuted for I sedition. Agree. I mean, it should be happening now. I agree. I can tell you that, you know, just from my own personal experience interacting broadly with members of Congress for several decades, that comity, C-O-M-I-T-Y, you know, brotherhood, fellowship, is a big deal. And they don't go after each other except in really extreme circumstances. And the hope, you know, springs eternal that we can bring people back to rationality and all this. But I'm with you. I think this has gone way beyond rationality. This has gone way beyond anything that is legal. And, you know, Ted Cruz and Josh Hawley, at the very least, should be expelled from the Senate. And if not expelled, at the very least, should be censured. And, you know, time will tell. There's going to be a new, well, there is a new Congress right now. There's going to be soon a new majority leader in the United States Senate, which will be uh, Chuck Schumer. And we'll see where this goes. But, Nancy, I absolutely share your outrage. Thank you for the call. Tom in Urbana, Illinois. Hey, Tom, what's up? 
Yeah, I just wanted to ask, how deep does this rot go? What's the root cause? I mean, granted, the Internet is terrible, and, and what your last uh, caller just said, all that she said is absolutely correct. But we've got to get down to the root of it. You know, Hedges were... I'll, I'll give you the root of it, Tom. American fashion. Forgive my jumping in here, but we just have 30 seconds. The root of it is that the Republican Party is all about money and big, big billionaires and big corporations. That's not enough people to get them elected. So they brought in the racists in 1968 with Nixon's Southern strategy. Then they brought in the gun nuts. Then they brought in the anti-abortion and misogynistic zealots. Then they brought in the anti-gay people. They are running out of people that they can bring in, you know, basically suckers that they can get to vote for Republicans. And so now they've had to embrace the conspiracy theory nuts. Now they've brought the conspiracy theory crazies into their party, and those people have largely taken over their party. And uh, it may well be that the Republican Party, Tom, thank you for the call, that the Republican Party is now in the same position as the dog who's always chasing cars and finally caught one. And what do I do now? Right. I realize it's kind of a funny little uh, metaphor, and this is deadly serious stuff, but that's what's going on. We'll be right back. This is the Tom Hartman Program. When a political party starts pandering to fascists, racists, conspiracy theorists, its days are numbered. So we have a new video over at TomHartman.com, and it gets into the 2016 election and what lessons we can draw from that. For example, in 2016, according to the exit polls, these are the actual voters who are being asked. In 2016, in Florida, Hillary Clinton, according to the exit polls, beat Donald Trump 47.7 to 46.4. According to the exit polls in 2016 in North Carolina, Hillary Clinton beat Trump 48.6 to 46.5%. In Pennsylvania, according to the exit polls, Hillary Clinton beat Trump 50.5% to Trump's 46.1%. And in Wisconsin, she beat Trump 48.2% to 44.3%. And yet all four of those states gave their electoral votes the official win to Donald Trump. Why is that? I lay it all out. You can check it out over at TomHartman.com. Justin in Summit Hill, Pennsylvania. Hey, Justin, what's up? Hi, Tom. Going along with the 25th Amendment, and if they go through with this, first off, I believe that Pence should not be allowed to pardon anybody just for the fact that Trump doesn't have a chance at a pardon or anything like that, because we're just asking for if, let's say, we pulled with the 25th and Pence does pardon him. We're up the crick there, aren't we? We could be. I mean, this is all unknown territory, Justin. The Supreme Court has not weighed in on the pardon powers of the president, on whether he can self-pardon or not. You know, it's clear that the vice president can pardon the president. That's what Jerry Ford did with Richard Nixon, and he did so in a very generalized way. He said basically all crimes between two dates, which was the date that he was inaugurated and the date that he left office. I have another question. That was regarding the one newly elected senator who came down with covid now, mm-hmm. can't they charge him with assault as to giving people COVID? Because honestly, this was done in Pennsylvania. This was done in the Pennsylvania House. Basically, they hid COVID from the Democratic people, from the Democratic right. representatives, and tried to get them caught with COVID. So I think that should yeah, be assault on a federal representative. I could believe that a person should be charged with assault on a federal representative because he refused to wear a I mask. I agree. We don't have... We don't have... If he wasn't allowed to wear a mask, if he refused to wear a mask, but... 
Right. We don't have a specific person specifically pointing to him. So, as I said, he may have been, I can't say for sure that he was. But we do know that this has happened. And one of the things that I really noticed, and I was surprised nobody talked about it on television, on Tuesday, when the voting was going on in Georgia, was that when you looked at the pictures of the lines, about every third or fourth or fifth person in line was not wearing a mask. And I'm guessing that those were Trump humpers who were showing up in order to intimidate Democrats who might be afraid of the coronavirus to not vote. Now, it didn't seem to me like anybody was intimidated. People were keeping their distance from these maskless people in line in Georgia. And every single maskless person I saw looked like a middle-aged white man. But yeah, I'm with you. I think it is assault. I really do. Thanks a lot for the call, Justin. Jared in Downington, Pennsylvania. Hey, Jared, what's up? I've been having the week from hell, Tom. My uncle just got COVID. My aunt just got COVID. My cousin just got COVID. My brother, who went to Afghanistan under Donald Trump, you know, the anti-war president, remember that? He went to Afghanistan to fight a war. He has PTSD, and he's now in a VA mental asylum at the moment because he was thinking about killing himself. And then I get this news about the, you know... I don't really want to call him a man anymore. Who's the he you're talking about, Jared? You know who I'm talking about. I couldn't tell if it was Trump or Pence, but yeah, okay. Yeah, Yeah, the the orange orange one. No, 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 no. He's he's his own thing. He he reminds me of a man who likes to watch his wife know another man. Yeah, let's not go there, Jared. uh, Let's just not go there. Uh, It's, you know... I think there are reasonable limits to how we engage in character assassination. And I think the important point here is not, you know, whether or not Donald Trump is a manly man. He's obviously not, you know, wearing makeup and diapers and lifts in his shoes. But it is whether or not he's a fascist. And I think it's very clear that he is and he's leading a fascist movement. Jared, I'm so sorry to hear about your your relatives. I hope everybody makes it through and I hope you do and stay safe, Jared. Thanks a lot for the call. You're listening to the Tom Hartman Program. Sometimes Louise and I just crave a restaurant-quality dinner at home without doing all the work or driving. Well, Cook Unity is the first chef-to-you service delivering locally sourced meals from award-winning chefs right to your door every week. And it appears to be less expensive than other delivery options. Go to cookunity.com Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. We just received our first meals from Cook Unity And what a huge difference it is to get the best chefs in the country to bring creative, delicious meals to us and you every week. Every meal is handcrafted by chefs and made in local micro kitchens, not large production facilities. We just had the chipotle maple glazed salmon with green beans and mango pico de gallo. It had everything we love in a meal. They have all sorts of options like vegan, paleo, pescatarian, gluten-free, and more. Menus are posted two weeks in advance so you have plenty of time to choose. Experience chef-quality meals every week delivered right to your door. Go to cookunity.com slash Hartman with two N's or enter the code Hartman with two N's before checking out for 50% off your first week. That's 50% off your first week by using the code Hartman or going to cookunity.com slash Hartman. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery 
starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Well, the stories are starting to come out now about, you know, what happened in the Capitol building as these fascist thugs, you know, killers. I mean, we lost four people in Benghazi. Hillary Clinton testified. Well, I guess that was around her emails or was that Benghazi? I, I don't remember for 11 hours. You know, they had all these congressional hearings. Oh, my God. For years and years. Benghazi. Oh, my God. Four guys died. Five people have died. Maybe six people have died in the Capitol building now as a result of the stormtroopers, of these Nazis marching on the Capitol, occupying the Capitol. And now the staffers in Chuck Schumer's office are telling the New York Daily News that when these people broke into Schumer's office, they pooped in his office and then smeared it in the carpets and on the walls. These very fine people, Donald Trump's very fine people. It's mind-boggling. I mean, it's just, it's mind-boggling. Jose in Toledo, Ohio. Hey, Jose, what's on your mind today? Good morning, Tom. You know, I've been listening to all the interviews that have been made with all these people, big people, small people, and the recurring thing about this is not us. And my question is, how far in the ground has your head? This is America. It was built on hate, on violence, on racism. And and when now that it's kind of come to the surface, they're all surprised. Denial is comfortable. But looking at things in a, with an honest eye is difficult. And I think America in general needs to wake up. This is America. And until we deal with it one on one, face to face, we're going to continue with this type of malarkey. Uh, I don't know how you yeah. feel, but that, that I, I keep listening to these people and I'm just amazed at how, well, I, I, I can't even say naive. I just say living in denial. Yeah, you know, I agree with you, Jose. And I would add there is something deeply embedded in the DNA of humans and probably in most mammals that are principally predators. It's kind of a hyena like response where, you know, everybody's nice and normal and just kind of milling around. And then, you know, there's the smell of blood. And the head hyena says, oh, let's go get them. And suddenly 30 hyenas are descending on an injured deer, you know, that kind of thing. And that's built into us. And so the head hyena in this case was Donald Trump with a little help from his son and from his lawyer in that protest and and saying, "Okay, there's the wounded deer over there. Let's go. And what happens is that our ability to inhibit our behavior our normal inhibitions start to fall away. And as they fall away, violence ensues. And that's what we saw. I mean, this is what you see in war as well, by the way. I would say that war is is probably tapping that same, you know, uh, thing deep in the genetic code of of mammals in general and and humans in particular. And that's why we have things like anti-riot laws 
That's why, you know, I mean, when people say I'm going to read you the Riot Act, there literally is a piece of legislation called the Riot Act. And it not only makes it illegal to riot, but more importantly, it makes it illegal to incite a riot because we understand that this is something that we are all capable of. And I'm concerned that had they been able, you've got these guys who are marching through the Capitol building, and these are reports from serious people. I mean, Reuters reporters and BBC reporters saying they were chanting, uh, not BBC, it was one of the other uh, British news crews, chanting, hang Mike Pence. And they had built a gallows out back. And, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if they had gotten their hands on Nancy Pelosi, Chuck, Chuck Schumer or Mike Pence, that that might have been the end of them. And the other point that needs to be made is that there was a group of four young women, congressional pages, who rescued the ballots. These people knew where to go in the Capitol building to lay their hands on those ballots that Pence was just starting to open. They knew where to go and they were trying to get those ballots. I believe that this was planned. I believe, uh, this is just my personal opinion. I, I, you know, we'll see if the evidence comes out over time, but it sure looks to me like this was planned that these people were specifically looking for the ballots and that they were specifically looking to take out Mike Pence and the Democratic leadership in the hopes that the Republican leadership would say, okay, okay, we give it to Donald Trump. That's all right. Which is, by the way, how similar invasions of the parliament building have played out in places like the eastern half of Ukraine, which is now pro-Russian. You know, it's got a government now that's aligned with Putin's Russia because that happened there. And that also arguably happened in Moscow many years ago. I mean, and it's happened in other countries around the world. (laughs) You know, it's it's happened in the Philippines. It's this is this is not something new, and it is something very dangerous, Jose. And so that, that's my rant on your comment. I'll give yeah. you the last word, and then I'm going to move along. All right. I just feel that until we truly educate our children with the real history of what happens in the United States, we're going to live on these myths of privilege, yeah. and things won't change. Thanks for the I'm, time, I'm with Tom. you. And, yeah, you're welcome. I, I mean, the book, it. Unsettled Truths, very good book. Okay. Thank you. I'll, I'll check it out. Thank you, Jose. Great to hear from you. And by the way, I'd say this is how this is how lynch mobs get formed and happen. I mean, this is uh, we have a long history of this uh, in the United States, but the human race has a long history of this. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Hi, Tom Hartman here. In my new book, The Hidden History of Monopolies: How Big Business Destroyed the American Dream. I'll be taking you from the birth of America as a revolt against monopoly, remember the Boston Tea Party, to the largely successful efforts of both Presidents Theodore and Franklin Roosevelt and other like-minded leaders to constrain corporations' monopolistic urges, to the massive changes in the rules of business starting during the Reagan Revolution that have brought us into the cancer stage of capitalism. In the foreword by Ralph Nader, he says, This is the most important dynamic book on the cancers of monopoly by giant corporations written in our generation, end quote. It's the fourth in my Hidden History series. And don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Democracy starts with you. Tag, you're it. Yes, I wanted to, uh, about, well, I tell you, I'm appalled by what I saw 
at the Capitol, and I don't know why the National Guard and the Army and the Marine Corps wasn't called in to take care of that. Uh, they weren't called in because Donald what Trump told them to stand so down, and orders were right. issued from the Department of Defense that they were not to go in unless the depart unless the uh, the Secretary of Defense signed off on it, which he never did. I think he made a mistake. It, so it was the Secretary of the Army who ultimately called up the mayor of Washington, D.C. and said, you may have some National Guard troops. It was the Secretary of the Army. He didn't even have the authority to do it. The presidential order was that only the Secretary of Defense could do that, but he did it anyway, the, the Secretary of the Army. The Secretary of Defense never said a word. Yeah, That's why was, uh, what happened with, happened with all our, it happened, Fred. All our leaders in there, other than the president, who was home watching it on television, I'm sure, with a big smile on his face, you bet. It just upset me. I'm 81, and I've seen a lot of things, and I, I never thought I'd ever see anything like that. Yep. Call well, we haven't. We haven't seen the Capitol building being stormed since 1814. I'm sorry, about Fred. That. Go ahead. So I, called, I really called about to see what you thought about this Titler cycle of democracy only lasting around 200 years. This guy, uh, I'm sure you've heard of him and know about this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but uh, yeah. and this he was he wrote this back around 1776, as far as I can figure, and he goes through these nine steps, and I and I see uh, our society has gone through just in my time some of these last selfishness, con- complacency, apathy, and the last one's dependency, which I hope we're not going to run into with too much social welfare. But then after dependency, yeah. it goes back to usually a dictatorship. Well, let me just speak to that, if I may, Fred. Alexander Fraser Teitler was an economist who died in 1813. He was Scottish. He was not an American. He was a lawyer. He was a writer. And he spoke about economics. He did not write that quote that is continuously attributed to him. That quotation came from a couple of other sources. It was actually written by Hennings W. Prentice, Jr., president of the Armstrong Cork Company and the president of the National Association of Manufacturers, which today is one of the largest right-wing lobbying groups in Washington, D.C. It was in an address that Prentice gave in 1943 called The Cult of Competency and then was published in the General Magazine and Historical Chronicle of the Alumni Society of the University of Pennsylvania. And what he said, and I'll just quote it, this is what Prentice, the business lobbyist, said. He said, a democracy is always temporary in nature. It simply cannot exist as a permanent form of government. That is not true, by the way. We don't know if that's true or not. A democracy, he said, will continue to exist up until the time the voters discover they can vote themselves generous gifts of the public treasury. That is not true. What we have seen in democracy after democracy after democracy all around the world is that when the majority votes, they will vote for a social safety net, but they do not vote to give themselves everything. This is a fantasy that right-wing businessmen love to promote. It continues, from that moment on, the majority always votes for the candidates who promise the most benefits in the public treasury, with the result that every democracy will finally collapse due to loose fiscal policy, which is always followed by dictatorship. That is not true. And in fact, we have seen that you know year after year after year in the advanced democracies around the world for over 200 years now. It's simply not true. And then he goes on to say the average age of the world's greatest civilizations to the beginning of history has been about 200 years. That is not true. The Roman Empire lasted over 1,000 years. During those 200 years, these nations always progressed through the following sequence. And then he goes from bondage to spiritual faith. Spiritual faith has never been found to, be any, to play any role in a functioning democracy, whether it functions or not. In the northern European countries, there's, there's virtually no church attendance. It's ceremonial. It's for weddings and things. 
Then from spiritual faith to great courage. Well, what the hell does great courage mean? From courage to liberty. How do you define liberty? Again, this is a speech given by the guy who was the president of the National Association of Manufacturers. In their mind, liberty means companies get to do whatever they want and they get to screw their workers. He gave this speech, by the way, during a time when he was fighting against unionization in the United States. The guy who gave this speech. From liberty to abundance, okay, yeah, this was 1943 when the American middle class was growing substantially, largely as a result of Franklin Roosevelt. This was an attack on FDR's policies, by the way. From liberty to abundance, from abundance to complacency, I'm not noticing any complacency. From complacency to apathy, you know, what does that mean? From apathy to dependence, from dependence back into bondage. It's something that the right-wing business people love to promote. But Alexander Fraser Teitler had nothing to do with this. It was, uh, it was a speech given by a lobbyist, the president of a lobbying organization, a century and a half after Teitler died. The only thing with the apathy, I can see that here years back, people were saying, it doesn't do any good for me to vote, so I'm not going to vote. Now, that's where I got the apathy. And I see in yeah. my time the dependency. I don't know. I see more social programs coming up. And I'm hoping if he did. Well, that shows you you can't believe any damn thing you read on the Internet. <laughs> That's true, Fred. That's absolutely true. And I've, I've had this uh, Titler quote here sitting on my desk for about two weeks because I was going to do a rant about it because it's making a resurgence now in right wing circles. But, Fred, thank you very much for the call. Thanks for setting me up for that. Quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR, all into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. It's accessible from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash Hartman with two N's. netsuite.com slash Hartman. That's netsuite.com slash Hartman. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax. The way car buying should be. Jeff in Portland, Oregon. Hey, Jeff, what's on your mind today? Hey, good morning, Tom. Thanks for taking my call and best wishes in the new year. I know getting $2,000 checks out to people is a priority. And, you know, just like the New Deal helped quell the America First fascist movement in the 30s, you know, a strong progressive agenda should do the same, much of the same now. But in terms of electoral reform, Tom, what would you prioritize? You know, I think it's important to point out that this attempted coup was against a president-elect who's a 75-year-old white guy. Imagine how emboldened these same treasonous elites and, and their foot soldiers are going to feel if Kamala Harris is our next president-elect. And, Tom, would you, yep. what do you think about 
moving up the uh, inauguration a month to like December 20th. That would require an amendment to the Constitution. I think it's pretty unlikely, but I would not be opposed to it. But in terms of electoral reform, I think job one has to be getting money out of politics, reversing the Supreme Court decisions in 76 and 78, Buckley and Bellotti, and in 2010, Citizens United. Those decisions have to be reversed, and we need to put back into place the Tillman Act, since, which from 1907 made it a federal felony for any corporation to give money to any federal politician you know, for office, uh, campaign for office which was overturned by the Bellotti decision in 78, and bring back the good government reforms that followed during the Jerry Ford presidency that followed the Nixon bribery scandals that limited the amount of money that individuals could give to to political campaigns. And I think that there are several different ways that that can be done getting around those Supreme Court decisions. I mean, my preference would be just a steamroller approach, simply striking down the Supreme Court decisions and exercising Article 3, Section 2 and saying, the Supreme Court, you may not rule on this. But I know that Congress is not going to do that. My voice is, my perspective on that is only shared by a few people. But I think that there are ways that they could get around it, Jeff. And that, that is absolutely where I would begin. Thanks a lot for the call. Susie in Vaughn, Washington. Hey, Susie, what's up? Oh, thank you. So my question is, is there anywhere in the Constitution, because I don't know it very well, honestly, sadly, but that specifically says that we as a people are protected not only from foreigners, but from our own governing office, should they go, you know, crazy or whatever? Is there anything that protects us as a people? And if there is, can we use that to get this guy gone in the next ASAP? Well, that's what the Bill of Rights is. And this was the big debate. After the Constitution was written, Jefferson wrote a letter back to Madison in December of 1787 and said, you know, I like this. I like the three parts of government. I like Congress being split in half. I like all those things. But what I don't like is that there's not an explicit Bill of Rights that essentially protects the individuals, the citizens of the United States from the behavior of their government. And, no and, uh, and, and he got it passed. And that's why when Barack Obama was running for president in 2008, in the course of a conversation with somebody, he said the Constitution is a negative statement of rights. And what he was speaking of is that it, it limits the power of government. And, of course, Republicans went nuts and went after him for saying that. But that's actually what it is. So, yeah, we're protected by the Bill of Rights, Susie. The Supreme Court has not done a good job of defending that particularly, but that and elections. I mean, the, the, other, the other answer to your question, the eternal answer to your question, is, yeah, we have term limits. They're called elections, and that's what we need to be focusing on. We'll be right back. So what makes Trump supporters Trump supporters? Good question, right? Well, Psychology Today did a deep dive into a whole bunch of literature on this and a number of studies and concluded that there were five characteristics that crossed right across virtually all Trump supporters. And I do a deep dive on these on our video over at TomHartman.com today. But here's essentially what it says. Number one, they are authoritarians, by and large authoritarian followers. They want a strong father figure to make them feel safe. Number two, social dominance orientation. They believe in a caste system, and they think they should be in the top caste. Number three, prejudice. They view people of other races poorly. Number four, intergroup contact. Most of them have never experienced significant contact with people of another race or people deeply different than them. And number five, relative deprivation. They feel like they've been screwed. They're not sure why. And Trump tells them, oh, it's those brown people. It's all over at TomHartman.com. Coming up on The Science Revolution is Dr. Edwin C. May for an in-depth interview on how the federal government 
used ESP to spy on foreign governments. In brief, the U.S. military and intelligence communities funded a 20-year program to collect intelligence during the Cold War by using so-called psychics. Did it work? Was it successful? What happened and what can we learn from it? Dr. Edwin C. May also talks about the broader implications of ESP and psychics. Tune into the Science Revolution wherever fine podcasts are found. Chris from Decala, Georgia. Hey, Chris, what's up? Hi. Trump won't go to the inauguration, not because of some weird principle he thinks he has, but because the violence he incited he knows is going to occur on the 20th. He refuses to take part in the violence he created and doesn't want to be in the line of fire, just like when he dodged the draft. I agree. I agree. I absolutely agree. And and what I'm seeing on the right-wing side of social media is a widespread belief among many of these folks that what happened on January 6th was the dress rehearsal for January 20th. And that alarms me tremendously. And my guess is that the media is not talking about these messages that anybody can see. If you just, you know, you go into Parler, go onto Twitter, create another account and just follow right wingers. And pretty soon they'll just start feeding. And the same with Facebook, they'll start feeding them to you. It's all there. You can see it, but it's not being reported on. And I think it's because people are very, very concerned. And, you know, I think that Trump isn't going to show up. I don't think it's because he expects that there's going to be some sort of massive attack or something. But it'll just look bad if his people show up and he's there. And plus, you know, he's so afraid of being called a loser. His father really burned that into him. There's that, too. But, Chris, I think you're onto something. Thank you for the call. Mark in Sauk City, Wisconsin. Hey, Mark, what's up? Hey, Tom. And thinking of, of the pardoning power that President Trump has been so willing to exercise, I think that perhaps when the new Congress comes into place with the new administration, that everybody that Trump has pardoned, ask them specifically, what crimes are you pardoned for? And Because then they'll no longer be protected by the Fifth Amendment. They'll have to answer the question under, under contempt grounds. And then we'll lay bare all the crimes that they have committed, and hopefully that will make them, you know, basically untouchable as far as as far as polite society, to put use an old term. Trump is yeah. going to be given these things out now. Like, I, I think like, that's already happened. As dispensers. There was I mean, an interesting just, piece uh, in the Daily Beast last night about how Jared and Ivanka's friends have completely deserted them. They are completely radioactive now. Uh, surprise, surprise. But, yeah, this needs to be clarified. When the framers were discussing what happens if a president tries to pardon somebody who engaged in a criminal conspiracy with him, One of the members, and I'm sorry, I don't remember who it was, but one of the members piped up and said, should that be the case, he would have been impeached. So this is a this is an irrelevant discussion. Well, it turns out here 240 years later that it's not an irrelevant discussion. And a lot of this stuff needs to be, uh, you know, clarified and laid out. So, yeah, spot on. Thanks a lot, Mark. Blaine in Thousand Oaks, California. Hey, Blaine, what's up? Tom, you're my hero. This was an organized and orchestrated event, obviously. There's, I uh, went on TV, and I must have been an investigator in an earlier life, maybe, but I videotaped certain images, and three stood out. One where the line of police opened the barricades and walked back, leading the demonstrators. Two, at the steps now, all the demonstrators are sitting there, but the line of police are, is still holding them off. The line... The line of police turned and just all at once led the demonstrators in. 
the third image I saw was taken, it looked like, now this is in the house. Somebody was up in the balcony taking a video onto the floor where a dozen of these radios were, you know, just milling around. But one guy, if you notice, he was by the desk. He was kneeling, and he was going through these papers. He had a backpack. He had a stack of papers, and he's, he's very focused. He's kneeling down on the floor. He had a black uh, hoodie on, and he's he's definitely has a mission. You know, and I think under the cover of all these you know, insurgents, there were certain individuals that had missions to do whatever. This whole thing was a planned thing. And on, while it was happening, I was texting people saying, oh, well, they were told to stand down. I mean, it was obvious to me. Yeah. Anyway, that's yeah. That's one it. of the people arrested needed a Russian interpreter, by the way. And oh. <laughs> it's like, whoa, what's going on here? Yeah. And I'm very concerned that somebody might have been walking around with a thumb drive, popping keylogger or other uh, viral stuff on into computers in the Capitol building. Yeah. I mean, it would have been well, they're in their offices. I mean, yeah, was the yeah. guy doing a Nancy? And one guy you saw him. There was one guy at a desk looking down and the light was kind of green light on his face. And he was doing something very, you know, he was focused on doing something in an office. So this is yeah. your typical riot. And Steve Schmidt is all over that video of the police, you know, opening the barricades and, and welcoming the rioters into the Capitol building. And he's been conspicuously absent from MSNBC for the last two days since he started tweeting about that. And I wonder if there's a correlation between those two things, which concerns me. Blaine, You're thank you. listening to the Tom Hartman program. Tom Hartman here. Did you know that Chief Justice John Roberts, back when he worked for Ronald Reagan, came up with a way that Congress and the White House could get around the Supreme Court? Specifically, they were trying to blow up uh, Roe v. Wade and Brown v. Board. But it could be used by Democrats right now. It's fascinating. It's in my new book, The Hidden History of the Supreme Court and the Betrayal of America. Check it out. Thanks so much. Welcome back. Tom Harbin here with you, Larry, in Los Angeles. Hey, Larry, what's up? Hi. The jobs report came out, and it, uh, for Donald Trump's four years in, in the White House, he has now lost 3 million jobs. And I need to point out that in the last 32 years, the Republicans had the White House 16 of those years, and the Democratic members had it for 16 of those years. And the Democratic members, which was uh, Obama and Bill Clinton, they saw 35 million jobs created in their 16 years. The Republicans saw zero, and, and I, need, I need to be very clear with this. They saw zero jobs created in their 16 years. Now, now that Trump has lost 3 million jobs, uh, the Republicans um, get us all excited about meaningless stuff like Hillary Clinton's emails. And then they get elected into the White House. And then the real carnage starts. Now we have, in the last three days, we've seen 4,000 Americans die per day. And, and Newsmax is sitting up there implying that, that uh, what those Republicans did when they stormed the Capitol, that that wasn't as bad as 9-11. 
4,000 Americans did not die on 9-11. Yeah. Yeah, these, these Republicans have presided over a series of disasters. The economic disaster is one that never gets enough ink, you know, enough coverage. And Larry, I am totally with you and spot on. Very well said. Thank you. David in Torrance, California. Hey, David, what's up? Uh, happy New Year, Tom. My question is, uh, in the past few decades, every Democratic president have lost seat in midterms. And... My question is, why can't Biden go to the people and basically tell them that I want you to help me, to help you? And wouldn't that the strategy would help him gain seats instead of losing? I agree with you, David. I think the biggest challenge that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, President Biden and Vice President Harris, are facing right now and, and more importantly will face following January 20th is communication. And they've got to get their communication. You know, Barack Obama was great at giving speeches, but on a day-to-day basis in the White House, Donald Trump just has steamrolled his... Now, I don't want somebody tweeting 30 times a day, rage tweeting and all that kind of bizarre stuff. But we have not had a president, a Democratic president, who did that kind of really good job communicating with the people since the first couple of years of Lyndon Johnson's presidency, or probably more importantly, Franklin Roosevelt's fireside chats. And I am very hopeful that Joe Biden will bring back some version of those fireside chats, at least a weekly meeting with the American people every single week, and you know, regular briefings from the White House talking about what's actually going on. This is absolutely necessary in order to preserve our republic. David, thank you. Richard in Atlanta. Hey, Richard, what's up? Hey, Tom, if you haven't had a, had a chance yet, you need to read the uh, complaint filed by Dominion Voting Systems against uh, Sidney Powell. It shows. Yeah, exactly the $1.2 billion dollar lawsuit. Yeah, it shows exactly how baseless this, this whole scam was. It was a scam. It looked to me like it was a money raising scam. They kept perpetuating this to raise money on. Yep. And well, not just that. It's a twofer, Richard. Number one, they get to, you know, convey outraged lies to their followers and their their followers send them $100 checks in exchange for that. But number two, then they get to go back to the voters and say, look at this. We've got all this proof of voter fraud. We need to make it harder and harder and harder for people to vote. Pretty soon you're going to have to have an iris scan, you know, or or, uh, put in your fingerprint or not just bring your driver's license, but also bring your passport. I don't know what the next one is going to be. I know down in Georgia, they actually, the Georgia legislature actually flirted with proposed legislation. It never got to a vote in the Georgia legislature, but Republicans proposed legislation saying that you could not vote absentee ballot unless you had a car registered in Georgia. They are going to be looking for ways to make it harder and harder for poor people, old people, black people, brown people, and young people. Uh, students to vote. And you can count on that just like you can count on the sun going up tomorrow morning. And that's the main reason why these fools like Hawley and Cruz, in addition to their love of fascism and their hatred of American uh, republicanism, American democracy, uh, that's the, one of the main reasons why they continued to get the, the phrase voter fraud and voter irregularities and election re- irregularities into virtually every sentence. There was no election. There was no voter fraud in this election. There was plenty of election fraud, 
where in, in mostly black neighborhoods, but also in Native American communities and Hispanic communities, in, in college towns and whatnot, where the Republican election officials would make it very difficult to vote by having fewer machines, machines that are broken down, machines that don't work. So people would have to stand in line for six, eight, 10 hours during a, a friggin' pandemic. They're going to come up with a whole brand new set of strategies, Richard. And I just got an email about 30 minutes ago from FreedomWorks, the organization that the Koch brothers founded back in the day to to promote the Tea Party, from the president of FreedomWorks, saying that H.R. 1, which we know is going to be the first piece of legislation Nancy Pelosi drops, which takes money out of politics and gives money to the states to secure elections, saying that this was an attempt to turn our elections over to Democratic lawyers. And I mean, you know, they have already begun screaming and squealing about any kind of reforms that might make it easy for Americans to vote, because when Americans can easily vote, Republicans lose elections. As Donald Trump said, he said, hey, you know, if if these Democrats keep voting in these kind of numbers, you'll never see another Republican president. You know, let's hope. Richard, thank you for the call. Melissa in Minneapolis. Hey, Melissa, thanks for listening to AM 950. What's up? Yeah, I just wanted to follow up on what you said earlier about the umbrella guy in Minneapolis smashing windows at the Black Lives Matters protests. They did, in Mm -hmm. fact, identify him. I can't recall his name, but he was involved with a white supremacist biker group, and he was also involved in an incident over in Stillwater where he was following and harassing a Somali woman and her small child to the point where business owners had to come out and protect her and call call for help. So they know who this guy is. Whether they've prosecuted him or not, I do not know. But Oh, interesting. Thank you for that, Melissa. I recall yeah. something like that. You know, it's not a local story for me, and it's there have been so many sure. stories. There's so much water under the bridge since then. But if you, if you learn anything, you know, if you get any updates on, you know, what the status of this guy is and what's going on, he's not a lone figure. This agent provocateur thing has, has a history that goes back to ancient Rome and has been a big part of Republican strategies. And now they're trying to, I mean, you know, you've got right-wing media organizations right now, and Fox is doing this kind of in a soft way. Some of the other ones are doing it in a very hard way, suggesting that the people, the traitors who stormed the Capitol literally pooped on the floors and spread feces on the wall in Chuck Schumer's office and other offices, killed six people, that these people were actually Antifa. I mean, this is the new big lie, and big lies lead to terrible, terrible outcomes. Thank you for the call, Melissa. Nina in McAlpin, Florida. Hey, Nina, what's up? Hey, Tom. Thank you for taking my call. Three quick things. One, Washington Journal. Thank you for being on that. Secondly, I think that we need to eliminate these student loans for these kids that will always have bad credit. They'll never be able to get a job until we start reset on them. And thirdly, I would just like to say I emailed both of my Republican senators in Florida. Ha ha. Rubio never got back to me. Scott voted with McConnell. So I've um, faced reality that there is no getting around anything like that. But I appreciate your show and thank you for listening to me. Bye bye. Thank you. Thank you, Nina. I think the bottom line of everything you just said is it's time to do everything we can to uh, strengthen and be part of the Democratic Party and turn it into a progressive force to help save America from these fascists and neo-fascists and their billionaire backers. I don't know any other way to say it other than that. Very straightforward stuff. We've got one party 
that wants America to be America, and you've got another part that wants America to be something like Nazi Germany. We'll be back. You're listening to Tom Hartman. Visit TomHartman.com for audio and video archives. Nazi Germany might be a little over the top, but, you know, an authoritarian pseudo-fascist or neo-fascist We're reading today from the Tom Hartman Reader here at Tom Hartman University. This is from page 13. The title is The Story of Carl. Carl loved books and he loved history. After spending two years in the Army as part of the American occupation forces in Japan immediately after World War II, Carl was hoping to graduate from college and teach history, perhaps even at the university level, if he could just hang on to the GI Bill and his day job long enough to get his Ph.D., But in 1950, when he'd been married just a few months, the surprise came that forced him to drop out of college. His wife was pregnant with their first child. This was an era when husbands worked, wives tended the home, and being a good father and provider was one of the highest callings to which a man could aspire. Carl dropped out of school, kept his 9-to-5 job at a camera shop, got a second job at a metal fabricating plant, working with molten metal from 7 p.m. to 4 a.m., For much of his wife's pregnancy and his newborn son's first year, he slept three hours a night and caught up on the weekends. In the process, he earned enough to get them an apartment and prepare for the cost of raising a family. Over the next 45 years, he continued to work in the steel and machine industry. In the later years, as a bookkeeper manager for a Michigan tool and dye company, as three more sons were born. Carl knew he was doing the right thing when he took that job in the factory, and he did it enthusiastically. Because the auto industry was unionized, he found he was able to support his entire family, all four sons, on one paycheck. He had a fully funded health insurance program, an annual vacation, and a good pension waiting for him when he retired. Carl had become a member of the middle class. He may not have achieved his personal dream of teaching history, but he had achieved the American dream. He was self-sufficient and free. Working with molten metal can be dangerous, but the dangers were apparent, and Carl took every protection to protect himself. What he didn't realize, however, was that the asbestos used at the casting operation was an insidious poison. He didn't realize that the asbestos industry had known for decades that the stuff could kill, but would continue to profitably market it for another 20 years while actively using its financial muscle to keep the general public in the dark and prevent the government from interfering. A couple of years ago, Carl tripped on the stairs and ended up in the hospital with a compression fracture of his spine. He figured that fall had also caused the terrible pain he'd been experiencing in his abdomen and his chest. Doctors, however, discovered that his lungs were filled with mesothelioma, a rare form of lung cancer that is almost always caused by exposure to asbestos. Mesothelioma is terminal, and its victims die by a slow and painful suffocation. Just because some corporation put profit before people. Carl got screwed. I was Carl's first child. My dad faced a painful death, but at least his job in a union shop left him with health care after retirement. Most Americans don't even have that reassurance anymore. More than 45 million Americans don't have health insurance to cover expenses for a serious illness. And 5 million lost their health insurance between 2001 and 2005, which is when I wrote this. And it's not just illness that worries most Americans today. Americans are working more and making less, getting harder and harder to just get by. There's a reason for the pain Americans are suffering. The America my dad grew up in put people for profits. The America we live in now 
with profits above people. In my dad's America, 35% of working people were union members who got a living wage, health insurance, and defined benefit pensions. These union benefits lifted all boats because they set the floor for employment. For every union job, there was typically a non-union job with similar pay and benefits, meaning roughly 70% of the American workforce back then could raise a family on a single paycheck. People who were disabled and couldn't work could live on Social Security payments, and the elderly knew that they would have a safe retirement paid for by pensions, Social Security, and Medicare. The gap between the richest and the poorest had shrunk rather than widened. That America is disappearing fast. The minimum wage is not a living wage. Workers are now expected to pay for their own health insurance and their own retirement. Pension plans are disappearing. 30,000 General Motors employees lost theirs just in 2005, and there's continued talk about privatizing Social Security, the Republicans' grand goal. The safety net is ripping apart, and the results are that the middle class is shrinking. The rich are once again getting richer, and the poor are getting poorer. The inflation-adjusted average annual pay of a CEO went up from $7.7 million to $9.6 million just between 2002 and 2004. Meanwhile, from 2002 to 2004, the inflation-adjusted median annual household income went down from $46,058 to $44,300. In other words, ordinary people's income went down by $1,600, while CEO pay went up by $1.8 million a year. From the Tom Hartman Reader, the story of Carl. Bobby in La Puente, California. Hey, Bobby, thanks for watching us on Free Speech TV. What's on your mind? My pleasure. No, I just want to say how these looters, uh, rioters, fascists, racists hurt me. Because like your father Killers. and my father fought against them in World War II. My dad was in Norm- Normandy, second wave, North Africa, you know, along with his, you know, the ones that died for what? For this coward? They follow this coward? Five deferrals. I enlisted. I flunked twice. Not that I wanted to go, but it hurt me, you know, because it brings up PTSD. Because I grew up with those folks, the name calling, the insults. At one time, I hate to share this, that I wanted to take the skin, you know, the color of my skin off. That's how they got to me. But I'm grateful to the Creator that I accept myself, honest Tom. And you know, thank you for your. It's like a classroom. You and your callers. It benefits me so much. Your wife. The people that work with you, so grateful to you, me and my wife. And uh, thanks for, you know, taking my call. I don't know how you feel about this. Like your dad fought my dad and being disrespected. I completely agree with you, Bobby, and you said it so very, very well. These Republicans are spitting on the graves of our parents and grandparents and great-grandparents who, uh, at least those among us who fought for democracy in the United States. And they're essentially elevating the Confederate traitors, you know, particularly showing up at the Capitol building with Confederate flags. It is beyond despicable. I lack words for how despicable it is. Bobby, thank you for the call. Thank you for your kind words. And uh, my very, very best to you and your family. Thank you, Bobby. Thad in Littleton, Colorado. Hey, Thad, thanks for watching Free Speech. What's up? Hi, Tom. Thanks for doing all that you do and teaching us so much. One thing I say is we need to radically look at the Secret Service 
for the uh, Trump crime family, we shouldn't be paying to fly them around and paying for all their Secret Service details. You know, this man literally spent a year flying around on Air Force One on our dime. I yeah. think it. Air Force this is another reason, reason to impeach him, Thad. If he gets yeah, impeached, exactly. then after he leaves the White House, he will not have that Secret Service protection that we pay for. So he will lose his pension as well. He'll lose everything. It'll be as well, if he was great. never president. I'm all for that. But yeah. moving forward, I don't think any president's children, if they're over the age of 18, should get a Secret Service detail. And if oh, they, they went business, big game hunting in Mongolia with Don Jr. and Eric. I mean, you know, to kill endangered species illegally, by the way, at the time. I know. It's ridiculous. We should not be paying for this these people to do that they should and presidents should only get a three or a four week vacation what do most americans get a year and he's literally taking three months a year yeah yeah well he's taken i I think either three out of every four days or two out of every three days well and then once you count his nuremberg rallies you know yeah yeah there you go i'm completely with you Uh, thad And it's another good reason why he needs to be impeached and removed from office. Let's hope. So we need to be thinking right now about how to Trump-proof the presidency in the future. I mean, Donald Trump is causing all kinds of chaos and disasters, and things are, frankly, I think, going to get much worse before they get better. And I don't think they're going to get better until after January 21st or noon on January 20th. And that's assuming that absolute craziness doesn't happen. But there's a bunch of steps that we need to take from recalibrating or fixing how we do our elections to fixing how we handle money in politics to fixing the pardon power of the presidency to specifically saying that if a president is found to be a criminal, he or she can still be held to account. I mean, just straightforward stuff. And we need to be getting ready to do this. I lay it all out in a new video that you can find over at TomHartman.com. We'll be back with more of the news and more of my thoughts and yours in this kind of national town hall meeting we have here every day on the Tom Hartman program. And in the meantime, don't forget, democracy is not a spectator sport. Never was intended to be. It requires you. So get out there, get active, tag. You're it. We'll see you tomorrow. You've been listening to Tom Hartman. For audio and video archives, visit TomHartman.com. 